good to see you guys. I hope everyone's doing well. Uh, if this is your first time at Fathom, welcome. Hope today's an amazing day for you. It's going to be a good one. Today we're wrapping up our unfolding series. We've been doing a, a big series for the entire uh, month of July, just on the will of God and purpose. Like It's kind of a tough thing, uh, or August. See, like that's how much I've been in this. We're in August. We're wrapping up August. So um, we're wrapping this up, and today, if, if you've been with us over the, the course of this journey, the will of God and purpose seems like this kind of big idea that's really tough to grapple with, and, and we kind of started with some really big kind of tough topics with it, but really the whole process and point of going into the series was not to make something that's complex more complex, but to make something that's really complex really simple so that we can fulfill it, and I think that's what I, I love um, about Jesus is just the depth of his simple commands that uh, we don't have to run off and find deeper things. Like we just need to dig into the simple things and live those things and embrace those. And so um, we're going to go uh, to the scriptures to Psalm 37 here in just a few minutes. But I, I have to tell you, um, some of you guys may be familiar with the disorder known as uh, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Some of you guys familiar with this? Okay, well, well I have this um, in, in some small way. Um, and I, the one thing I don't like about the, the OCD thing is the D part. I don't like the disorder because anybody that is OCD doesn't like disorder. So it should be OCO. It should be obsessive compulsive order. Like that's how the way things are. And so just to like let you into the way an obsessive compulsive, uh, uh, compulsive person brains thinks is like anytime like something's out of order, my brain wants to explode. Uh, this morning I was doing a puzzle with my son and he's got this, this puzzle we got him. Um, it's like all these underwater characters, and so he's putting it together, but when he, immediately he wants to rip it up as soon as he puts it together. Um, but when he puts it back, there's a certain way that they need to go in. So my poor child has the same order issue I have. And so they can't be like bottom side up. All, like you need to see all the faces. I mean, he's, he's so bad that, and I say he's so bad, but he gets it from me. He would get out of the pool in order to take leaves off of the concrete. Like he did not want leaves on the concrete. I used to have a, an intern that, that uh, served uh, alongside me, and he knew this about me, and so he would, you know, he'd worked in the same office um, as me, and so he would just take little crumbs and throw them on my desk, and just wait for like two seconds later when I saw it, and I would go like this and get it off, because I couldn't stand it, and he, he, he knows that about me. I have my ways in which I, I let out that. Um, I don't shave. I, I don't cut my hair a whole lot. <laughs> you know, those ways in which I let out. But the one thing that, uh, about obsessive compulsion, if we want everything in order, we want things to be laid out. And so as a child, this manifests itself in really weird ways. Like when I was in elementary school, I would plan my entire outfits for the week. Like that's not something an elementary school kid should be doing. But yeah, like I would write it down. Like this is what I was going to wear on Monday this is what, I mean, it sounds like just crazy vanity, and obviously God has exploded that in me, um, and now I just wear like white t-shirts most of the time, um, so it makes it really easy, um, but I, I just had to have everything planned out, and this, as I went into middle school and high school and college, like, man, I had, a, I wanted to have a five-year plan and a 10-year plan, have everything planned out, and like, even if you wouldn't consider yourself OCO, as I'm now rebranding it, um, or, but many of us are planners. Maybe you're a planner. You want to have everything. And regardless, even if you're not a planner, you want to know ahead of time. We have a difficult time just resting in the will of God right where we're at and, and not allowing, uh, we don't want to allow it to unfold as it will. We like to get in there and manipulate everything. And certainly we're a part of that and living it. But I really just want to talk about the depths of what it means to be um, in obedience to the Lord today, because I think this is the core principle about the will of God. 
Like, if you want to, like, how can we know? Like, have you ever wondered that? How can I know if I'm in the will of God? Like, am I in or am I out? Is there a yellow brick road? Is there an angel that's going to slap me a high five on the way there? Like, how will I know if I'm in the will of God or not? I think the simple answer is obedience. I, I think it's, if we can know that we're walking in obedience, A, we've got to know God's word to know whether we're being in obedience. Um, that's when we can know we're in, we're in God's will, and, and uh, we can just rest in that. And it allows our brains to kind of slow down a little bit, and it allows us to enjoy life more. And so I want to go to Psalm 37. Um, and I, I don't preach out of the Psalms often, but I'm going to preach out of it today. And, and Psalm 37 is a very interesting um, psalm because some of you guys know like what an acrostic poem is. You guys know an acrostic? Psalm 37 is actually an acrostic poem which is really cool, like a lot of these are songs or they're poems and they're really beautifully written or somewhat seem random, um, but knowing some of the context, and I think it's just a cool thing, that's not like a big theology thing, but it's just cool to know it's acrostic, you guys know what acrostics are, like make that, okay, I assume you do, um, and so we'll go in here and let's read the first seven verses, we're just going to do the first seven verses, but really this week I'd love for you to read out the rest of Psalm 37, because I think you'll see a lot more that plays in here, I won't have time to go into all of it today, but um, that there's so many more just, just great things that kind of build on the first seven verses. So let's begin with verse one. Um, it says, do not fret, don't worry, because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do, do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they'll soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he'll do this. He'll make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Don't fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. We're just going to start stop there, and we'll, let's go back to verse 1 and 2, and really verse 1. And the first thing, I mean, everything I'm going to be talking about today is not, it's taking the complex and just making it really simple. And I think that's what Psalm 37 does. It's like the complexity of relationships and the complexity of the will of God and purpose. It makes it so simple right here. And sometimes that's the one thing we don't want to hear, but it's the one thing we need to hear. We don't want it to be more simple. We want to hear the, 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 the complexity of the design so we can all understand it. But I think what it roots us down into is the depths of what it means to believe in God and to trust in him. So let's, let's go. Do not fret because of those who are evil. Be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they'll soon wither like green plants, and they'll soon die away. The first thing it says, don't worry. Like, that's the first thing about, if, if you want, like, life to be a little less complex and a little more simple, just don't worry. Make a choice. I love what uh, the passage in uh, Philippians says. Do you have that? Did I put that Philippians passage up there? It says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, uh, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, submit your prayers um, to the Lord, your request to the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Isn't that where we ended last week, that the Lord is near? Picks right back up here. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I've had these moments in my life where, man, I needed answers more than I ever did before. And you want to know what? I've never gotten them. But you know what I did get? As I submitted those things to the Lord, I got overwhelming peace. 
And that's all I needed. And it's so much better than having the answers. It's so much better. There, there's been moments in my life where I just, I buried my face in a couch and just wept. And I'm like, God, I need answers. Or I'm driving home and I'm like, I can't handle this anymore. I need answers. And, and when I just cry out to God in that moment, he brings his peace. And like, that's, that's really all we need in that. It helps us go through. And so it's submitting those things to the Lord and remembering that he is near. Even when it feels like he's far, he's near. And so the first really thing about making complex life simpler is just not to worry because God's near. And I mean, how many times do we do this? Like, it takes us six months to actually pray about it. We'll worry for six months, and then finally we're like, all right, well, I'm tired of worrying about it, so now I'm going to pray about it. I mean, isn't that how we often do? But what if we could turn six months into six seconds? So like when we begin to worry or get anxious about stuff, instead of waiting six months to begin to pray about it, how about in six seconds we're like, yep, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm just going to bring that to the Lord. That doesn't absolve us from having to deal with it and wrestle with what's in front of us. But certainly, it, it, this, it's the spiritual sign of surrender. Like, I'm giving it to you, Lord. I trust you with this circumstance. I trust you with my life. And it's not about what I can bring to the table. And so, instead of six months of me trying to figure everything out and work it all out and, and then, like, realize I can't and come to God, how about in six seconds we just change that paradigm and really did it with gratitude. We thank him for what he has already done. I mean, really, the, the core of this text is talking about fretting about other people. I mean, how many times do other people steal our focus and steal your joy? Like there's a person at work, there might be a person here at church, there might be uh, a person in your family that's take, that they're the ones that are making you anxious. Like it's their life, it's their wrongs, it's their things they're doing that get on your nerves. Like you've got one in your life right now, somebody or, or something that's kind of drawing all of you to, to, to worry. And especially if they're doing wrong and they're succeeding, which is what what the psalmist is saying here. If they're doing wrong and they're succeeding, that drives us nuts more than anything. Um, I think it's Charles Spurgeon, he actually said something about, like we, there's something that stirs up just anger and rage in us when we see those that are doing wrong riding on horses and the obedient walking in the mud. You know, it, it just stirs it up and it just makes us so angry. And so whatever it is, whoever is maybe that person that it, it's, it's getting under your skin and it's causing you to fret and be anxious, like, the, this, verse 2 really kind of begins us into the solution for that first problem. So, I mean, we can say don't fret, but like, okay, help me out with that. How, how do I get there? He says, first, realize that in your obedience, you're building a house on a solid foundation while they're building on sand. Jesus gave this example. Uh, it was very clear to everyone. If you build a house on sand, like when a storm comes uh, through, it, it's going to blow over if something bad happens. But us as Christians, like we're building our house on a solid foundation. It takes time to build that foundation, right? I mean, you, you see that restaurant that's close to your house, some of you that live in Bartram, and you keep seeing that Dunkin' Donuts, and you're getting excited about it because there's like a Dunkin' Donuts really close to your house now, and you're getting excited. Like you, the foundation, it takes some time to build. But once that foundation's set, like what happens? It goes up quick, doesn't it? Like, man, they got that thing done really fast. The foundation takes a lot of time. You have to let it set. You have to let the, let the concrete set and, and really begin to, to firm up. And so really with us, the same thing. Like trust, trust in that the obedience, it works. That the plan, the promise that God's given us, that his pattern for life is effective. I think in a society, we always look for what's, what works. Like, well, if that works, I'm going to go do that. And, and that shouldn't be our search for truth shouldn't be like that. Because that's just not the way it works. But, um, but ultimately, I believe that God's plan does work. 
and it does bring uh, peace and, and um, uh, provision for our lives. So let's go um, to, to verse 3 and pick up the second point here. So the first one is just don't worry. Second one, uh, third one is just, again, I think continuing to build on verse 2. that says you know, not to worry because it won't last. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. I think the second thing really here is just simple. It's just to trust in the Lord. Like, can I give you a more simple word today? Like, other than, if you, like, you want your life to, to, you know, to take the complex things of life? Like, just trust in Him. Again, it's not the thing we want to hear. We want all the answers. We want it all unfolded. But really, probably what we need to hear is just to trust in the Lord and do good. Like, do what He's called us to do. And I think the essence of, of these two kind of tag team together, trust in the Lord and do good, because I, I remember sitting in a small group with a guy um, was really trying to work on his life, didn't really have his life together, you know, too well, and I remember him saying this, like he was going through a, a lot of problems, and, and he, he says in the group, he's like, but I'm just going to give that to the Lord, and he can deal with it. I mean, it was just this idea that, like, God will deal with it, and, like, I'm absolved from ever having to face my issues. Again, and I think there's something wrong about that. I think there is this idea that I'm giving it to the Lord, but know that I'm going to have to be faithful and obedient in the process in order to work with it. And I think that's what's going here. It's like trust in the Lord, but you've got to continue to do what's right. You've got to continue to walk upright and be obedient. Obedience is active. Like real faith, real faith is actively obedient. And so you may have been saying, oh, I have faith over this situation, but you're not living a life of obedience. And like no wonder, like, will of God isn't happening, or you don't feel like you're in the will of God, because you really, you've been walking in disobedience. That's a, that's a big deal. Um, I think most of our problems are either faith problems or focus problems. Not all of them, but most of them, I, I think, are faith problems or focus problems. Like, what's going on in our life? Are we trusting the Lord? Are we being actively obedient in that? You know, and then it becomes a lot easier to not worry when we get our focus off of them and what they're doing and focus on the God who saved us, the God who's bringing us closer to him. I really believe that an obedient life will produce uh, just a sense of peace and provision and purpose. I think there's really sustenance in obedience. It, it, it just, it makes it a lot easier, right? Like with GPS, like I don't, I mean, who, I mean, have you guys used GPS, like most everyone? Like you don't, you don't really map it out. I mean, sometimes you will, just to, especially if you know town, you're like, let me just make sure like this is the right route. But most of the time, we're just going turn by turn, right? We love the turn by turn directions. We love that little British voice. Like, it's so nice to have us guiding us along. But somehow, we like that in, in our physical life, but somehow in our spiritual walk, like, we're uncomfortable with turn by turn. We're uncomfortable with not knowing it's only two miles till our next turn. It's just tough to be obedient and patient and not worry in the meantime like we talked about last week. Trust in the Lord, do good. Go back to the verse real quick, uh, because it says, dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. It, it's really talking about um, provision here. So when I said no, being alive, produce provision. I think that's what he's saying here. Like When you dwell in the land that God's given you, and, and you're just content there, and just enjoy safe pasture, that it's a safe place to be able to eat. Like, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about what you're going to eat. God's going to take care of you. If you look towards the very end of this, it says, I've never seen the, the righteous forsaken or children begging for bread. That there is provision. When we walk in obedience with God, we stop getting our, we get our faith and our, our focus in the right place, then we can really enjoy safe pasture. And that, and that, that speaks to our spiritual sustenance. 
and our physical sustenance. Like how God's going to take care of us financially and, and, and then spiritually along on the journey. But we're uncomfortable with the turn-by-turn directions in our spiritual life. But I think what the psalmist is saying here, and again, remember this is an acrostic poem, so it becomes so powerful in, which he, in the way he's doing it. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. It's really the second thing. It's just trust in the Lord and do good. It's not the, it's not the fancy, complex answer that we want, but it, it might just be what some of us need to hear today. Just like, trust in him. Just do good. <laughs> I, I don't want to overexpound on it. Let's go to verse 4. This is one of the most um, jacked up translations that we often walk away with. Take delight in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Um, some of you have heard about some interesting and false theology kind of being thrown out there by some major figures this week. And really is this idea of just like our total happiness is like what is our pursuit? Like that's whatever makes us happy, right? Like, and that's like, that's our God. Our God becomes ourself. And like we take this verse and, and we can turn that into that because we, we rid ourselves of the first thing, take delight in the Lord. Take delight in the Lord. Relationships are ma- meant to be enjoyed. Like any relationships that you don't enjoy, you don't continue. You don't. Like, you're like, okay, that's annoying. I don't want to do that anymore. Like, many times we won't do it. And like, our relationship with God is to be enjoyed. Like, some of us have been, we feel like we've been enduring a relationship with God instead of enjoying a relationship with God. I mean, what would that look like for some of us to just enjoy the Lord more? Like, just enjoy the relationship with God. I mean, just think about it for a second. Like, creator of the universe invites us into relationship. Like, that's that's like mind blown. Can't understand that. Can't fathom that. Bonus points. But to take delight in the Lord means to really enjoy. Really enjoy. Like, and and it, I think when we trust in him and we do good, like we're walking in that obedience, it, it becomes very easy to just enjoy the relationship. I think it's really living in joy with him. And that knowing that he's the provision, knowing that he's the supply, knowing that he's the goodness um, that we have, and I, I think it becomes very, becomes a lot easier to just roll with it. I mean, how, some of you guys have grown up with like dictators for parents. Um, maybe they weren't a good example for the life you should lead. Uh, maybe you have that for a boss. Uh, you, maybe you didn't enjoy that relationship. And I think it becomes very difficult to be obedient. That's the last person we want to be obedient to. Because there's not that example. We can't enjoy the relationship. But I think as people today, if you're a boss, if you're a parent, like, make sure you're enjoying the relationship. Make sure you're enjoying the relationship. And out of that, um, they'll understand your heart. And I think that's the, the ultimate thing about taking delight in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart is that you trust in him, and, and you don't want what you have for yourself, but you want what he has for you. And the depths of God's wisdom and understanding, again, creator of the universe, are so much deeper than ours. Like, Isis, like, just name, like, what's on your Christmas list this year, man? What's on your Christmas list? Random question. That's, like, the hardest thing. Like, mom asks you, like, I have no idea, except for some of you. Like, you've been working on your Christmas list all year. Okay, that's a weird thing to ask for, because I don't know if Santa Claus will bring that. Um, 
whatever, pick a, a new thing that you want. And like we put that on, on our Christmas list, but I think ultimately like just taking delight in the Lord, God knows so much deeper something that will make you so much happier than that. That sounds awesome though. That is a, I, I said it was a silly thing, but it's an amazing thing to ask for. Um, but honestly, like God knows so much deeper. Like you'll ask for something that's on the surface and God knows something that's way below the surface. And so when you delight yourself in him, he'll give you not what you ask for. Thank God that God doesn't give me what I ask for. I'm so thankful for it. Like, we, we don't think like that many times. We don't think, like, I'm glad God didn't answer that prayer. But in hindsight, most of the time we'll look back and we're like, I was praying this. God knew I didn't need that. He knew I needed that. Man, and you just begin to trust in the Lord all the more as you delight yourself in him. And then it becomes a lot easier not to worry about what other people are doing, but just to delight ourselves in him and, and walking in obedience with him. And because we know that he know, we're going to get the desires of, uh, of our heart because it's things that sometimes we've never even spoken to our husband or wife, things you've never spoken to another soul on the earth. God knows. He knows those desires. Dreams and like passions and like things that will satisfy your needs that are kind of playing out in very weird ways. God can satisfy those things. So take delight in the Lord. Let's uh, look at, at the next verse here. Verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Okay, we're starting to, to get into something a little bit different. Trust in Him, and He'll do this. He'll make your righteous rewards shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. First thing here is commit your, your way to the Lord. I think this is a big deal. Is this different than trusting the Lord. I, I feel like it is. I, I feel like there's a, a slight difference there in verbiage specifically, but I think he's actually saying something a little bit different. It, it's, it's one thing for me to ask God to come into my heart. It's another thing for me to pursue his heart. It, it, it's one thing to say, God, can you come and correct my path? And it's a, another thing to say, God, can you, can I get on your path? Like, it, it, it's a perspective change more than it is an actual physical change. They're, like God can probably do the same thing and it just becomes like mumbo jumbo after a while. But I think ultimately there, there's a difference in perspective. That God, I want your life. I, I don't want the life that I'll try to make for ourself, myself and then shove you into it. God, I really want to keep, commit my way to you. Not you to my way. I want to commit my way to you. So I think there's a, a, a slight difference here. And he repeats the trust aspect. Trust in him. Like sometimes we just need to be reminded. Trust in the Lord. And, and I love what it says after that. He'll make your righteous reward shine like the noonday sun. Like I, I know I'm not like blowing your minds with like the deepest of theology today, but the simple words are sometimes all we ever need. Of just to trust in him, and he'll make you shine. Like we, we, get, we, like to, we like to make everything work out. Again, in my OCD and our planning, we want it all kind of worked out. We want it all unfolded right now. But can we just daily just obey? Can we daily just trust, commit our way to him? Not him to ours, but, but ours to him. I mean, is it possible to do that and that he would make our righteous rewards shine like your vindication like the noonday sun? Some of you, there might be environments in which your reputation has been shot. Your reputation got burned up with the past or whatever it was. There, there might be some of you that there's been people, um, I don't know, maybe they talked about you wherever you came from. Wherever you came from, that sounds crazy. But wherever you 
I mean, but that happens, and I, I think that's what really uh, David, the, the psalmist, is saying here through this, is that there is this, um, there's this sense of God's going to take care of that. When I obey him, like he's going to take care of my reputation. He's going to take care of, of my vindication. Like how many times do we want that? We want to fight for ourselves. We want to get up and do that. And um, I, I referenced it last week. If God's for us, who can be against us? Like I want him fighting my battles. Um, I'll make you righteous. Look at the last verse here. Verse 7. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Be still before the Lord. Man, this is something you, we honestly have to walk in on a daily basis, I believe. When our hearts become stressed, when we want to work it out, when we want to take, we have those, um, the origami in there, and if, if, our will, if the will of God is somewhere like up in that very complex origami, like we just want to rip it open and see what's on the inside. Uh, I took Beckett to a little birthday party yesterday, and I gave like these little favors, and he just wanted to rip into it, and like, when we hear the promise of something, when we hear that there is something out there, we, we just want to rip into it. But I just told him, dude, just chill out. Let me help you. Let me help you open it because you're like working like way hard and you're not getting anywhere. I'm like, let me just help you. And so I just helped him and it took two seconds to open. But be still and just wait patiently for the Lord. So many of us were trying to make things happen and trying to get it all figured out and we just need to be still in this very moment. And you learn to wait patiently. And through that patience, God will perfect something in us. Be still and be patient. Wait for him. Like what would happen like, if we really did just start waiting for him? That means we probably wouldn't come out with what we would create, but it might come out with something that he has created. Like the outcome wouldn't be what we desired, but it would be what he desired, and that would be the depths of our heart being unveiled, like we didn't even know that that was there, if we would just be patient and wait for him. So many of us, were so quick to rush into stuff, but God just wants us to learn to be patient in that. Again, this whole, this whole thing is not about making it more complex, it's about making it more simple. Just to trust in him, just to be obedient with him, with this very moment. A couple of things I wanted to share before I close today on obedience one is that obedience isn't an option for believers. Like, it is an option, but it's not an option. Like, we make it an option, don't we? My, I do this with my son all the time. And he says no, and I'm like, uh, dude, it wasn't a question. <laughs> I told you to do it. How many times do we do that? Like, with, with what, something God tells us to do, and we want to, like, converse about it. Like, let's talk about this. Like, this is out there, and this is out there. No, I told you to do this. Like, not an option. Obedience for us as believers, it's an option, but it's not an option. It's not a question. When he tells us to do something, he tells us to do it. And we need to learn to submit. We need to learn to surrender our hearts, as that song said earlier, just to surrender and truly walk in obedience. You've probably heard it said before that delayed obedience is disobedience. Do it now, just as much as we'll like turn and not be anxious and pray from not in six months, but in six seconds, like 
Maybe our obedience would be the same way. We wouldn't, we wouldn't sit here and think forever about like, whether we should be obedient or not. We'll just be obedient. What we realize is that the will of God comes a little bit simpler at that level, doesn't it? We just have to do what the turn by turn says. Like I don't have to stress anymore. I don't have to pull out the map and like figure it out and don't think I'm saying something about the Bible. I'm, I'm saying that turn by turn is really the Bible. So I think obedience first is like, it's not an option for believers. And then secondly, I think there's incredible freedom in it. I think there's incredible, I think there's way more freedom in, in the will of God than probably what we realize if we're obedient. If we're obedient. I, I, I once you know, said it, and I, I share this often, is that uh, for the person that's walking in obedience, the, the will of God is as vast as the ocean. But to the person that walks in disobedience, the will of God is like finding a needle in a haystack. You'll never find it if you're being a disobedient. Like you can keep trying to find it, but like if you keep walking into disobedience, you're probably not going to end up there. I'm not talking about God's purposes and plans. Don't read too deeply into what I'm saying. But I think ultimately, obedience is the essence of giving us freedom. That if we're walking in obedience, like we're stuck at that fork in the road, and you know, there's some things that it's like this isn't like something scripture speaks against, and this isn't either. Like, this isn't a clear thing. It's just a decision. Are we gonna are we gonna move there and take this job, or are we gonna stay here and stay in this job? Like, the Bible doesn't really tell me what to do in this situation. <laughs> What's the will of God here? Well, I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna wait and be patient before the Lord. I'm just going to delight myself in him, trust in him. I'm going to keep doing good. I'm going to wait patiently for him. I'm going to be obedient. And I realize that if I'm being obedient and walking in what God's told me to do, then there's freedom in that. There's freedom in that. So I think it does take a burden off of like this idea that, oh, gosh, i got to figure this out. No, we just got to be obedient. Just got to be obedient. There's been many times in my life that... There's time when I was in elementary, elementary school. I told you I was planning out. And um, this might have been middle school. I don't know. But I was talking to my mom, and I was just stressed over, like, stuff going on. And, like, future, and I was trying to get all this work down. I'm like, if this happens and this happens. And my mom, like, she's just like, Kyle, like, you don't have to have Z figured out. Like, you just got to move from A to B. And then when you're at B, like, God will show you what C is. When you're at sea, I'll show you what D is. And so some of you, you're carrying maybe a burden about the future, about your purpose or the will of God in your life. And I want to tell you the same thing my mom told me. It's just like, what's B right in front of you? Don't worry about all C and T and U and V. Like, just what's B right in front of you? Take a deep breath. Be still and wait for the Lord. Delight yourself in Him. Trust in Him. Don't worry. Don't be caught up in what everybody else is doing. Turn your focus and your faith to the Lord.